0: <coughs> topic of our Dhamma Talk this evening is uh, Effort Part 2. And uh, Sadness so of this Dhamma Talk will follow uh, the talk given on Effort on uh, last uh, Tuesday. Now, you might certainly remember at the beginning of uh, that uh, first time I talk on uh, effort uh, some uh, that illustration or an illustration was certainly uh, given for uh, the nature of uh, effort namely uh, 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 a situation where the uh, one lives certainly uh, in a nice house near, and uh, a big near uh, lake. and behind certainly uh, the house, uh, there's a big near uh, forest, and then a fire sets uh, uh, sets in, and it's a big forest fire, and uh, one has nothing uh, left. Certainly uh, no, there's noth- no other option but uh, to swim across near uh, the lake in order to get away from the fire and so so one then picks up a makeshift raft and then lying on it paddles uh, continuously across the lake. So this going from the dangerous side of the lake to the safe side of the lake with the help of a a raft or um, float is uh, uh, can be seen uh, or is an illustration for the nature of uh, effort and certainly uh, it is effort continuous well-balanced effort uh, that is very much needed uh, to Leave behind you know, the sh- the dangerous shore and to cross over to the safe uh, shore. Now. Various certain uh, definitions, Dhammasangani uh, definitions for uh, effort, uh, were uh, given. The classical Visuddhimagga definition was also uh, given. Maybe to just briefly uh, recall uh, this, namely. Its uh, efforts characteristic is certainly uh, that of an a patient uh, endurance in the face of uh, difficulty, and its function is certainly uh, to support the uh, the associated uh, mental states, and uh, it is manifested as non-collapse, and certainly uh, then a sense of urgency is given as one. Proximate cause for the rising of effort, and the other one being anything that steers one uh, into action. Now, we then also looked at how we might be experiencing effort certainly in the practice itself so situations where effort is certainly required and then some general features of effort were uh, explained now today we shall continue and or we shall left continue where we left off on Tuesday. The importance of fatne effort can be fathomed by the fact, or from the fact, that fatne effort appears in the Buddha's teachings in the context of quite a number of fatne different sets of teachings. Could you think of some effort being part of pardon me? Uh, the uh okay yes anything else the what's then faculties. the five faculties yes and then we might as well add certainly uh, of the five powers uh, the bunch of Balani and then mm, mm, right. Right effort as part of uh, the Eightfold Noble Path. There you go. And Sapna, then, very important for the attainment of uh, the Dhamma, are your enlightenment factors, and effort is part or not part of those. It is so it's certain you know, of the third saptnya you know, enlightenment certainly you know, factor so in a number of footnote you know, really relevant you know, groups of footnote you know, teachings effort appears as certain you know, one you know, major you know, factor now Jim mentioned Sutna, uh, right? Effort, Samavayama, as uh, <coughs> one uh, factor of uh, the Eightfold Sutna uh, Noble Path, and Sutna uh, there. Effort uh, gets Sutna uh, further defined as Sutna, uh, the Four Supreme uh, Efforts. And Sutna, uh, or uh, Four Supreme Exertions. Mm, and briefly stated, mm, the first one is that, you know, the effort to avoid unwholesome states. But uh, more thoroughly you know, stated, you know, this is that, you know, the effort you know, to you know, avoid unreason. Unwholesome states from arising. So it's uh, trying to—it's the first line of defense, so to speak, uh, not to uh, allow unwholesome states to arise in the first uh, place. Now, secondly, we have uh, the effort that uh, made uh, to uh, dispel or overcome unwholesome mental states that have arisen for this or that Sutna reason. Then, as Satna number three, we have the effort to develop wholesome states that have arisen. And finally, there's the effort to maintain those wholesome states Satna that are present. Now, to express Sutna all of this in greater detail, namely, uh, following the Anguttara Nikaya, it's 4th volume, Discourse number 13, describes the first type of effort as uh, uh, a disciple rouses his or her will to avoid the arising of unwholesome states that have not yet arisen. And one makes an effort to stir up you know, one's certain energy, ex- one exerts one's mind, and certain strives. Now, this Satna then, in the following discourse in the Anguttara Nikaya, gets specified Satna further, namely by stating that, so when. Engages in this effort to avoid by restraining one's satna unguarded, satna senses, and satna thus avoids unwholesomeness from arising. This form, this first form of effort is known as samvara padana in the Paditna scriptural language. Now, on occasion, it might happen that owing to a temporary lapse in one's mindfulness, or owing to some destruction, whatever it might be, well, some unwholesome mental state arises. So it's there in the mind, one can't help it, and then one just has to deal with this unwholesome state. So for this particular uh, situation, uh, the uh, recommendation is to overcome the unwholesome state that has already uh, arisen, to overcome or to abandon. Now again to quote uh, from that 13th uh, discourse from the Anguttara here in a retreat and rouses one's sudden will to overcome the unwholesome states that have already arisen, and one makes that effort, stirs up one's energy, exerts one's mind, and strives. Now, in this connection, allow me to expand a little bit. Sometimes what happens in our practice, and this is based on uh, interviews with certain yogis, a certain unwholesome mental state uh, arises, and one simply allows it to arise. So let's say mm, mm, a fantasy has arisen in the mind, and Satna then Mm, rather than you know, really being you know, mindful of it, one you know, you know, simply just allows it you know, to you know, well proliferate. And certainly so, you know, this thing can have all sorts of consequences. That would be a case for not engaging, not applying the second you know, samadhi you know, Padana. And so, not uh, rousing one's will uh, to overcome uh, the unwholesome state. The same thing uh, could be uh, said in the case of uh, the arising of anger, of sloth and torpor, of... restlessness and remorse and skeptical doubt. So let's say, in the case of skeptical doubt skeptical doubt arises, one is aware that skeptical doubt is there but some or other one just, oh never mind, just let it go let it go on and one tolerates it and then sooner or later, or in no time that skeptical doubt then. Gets out of Futner control. Now, the 14th Futner discourse of the Anguttara Nikaya describes the second Futner form of Futner. Right, Satna effort as follows one does not retain any thought of sensual lust or any other unwholesome states that may have arisen. One abandons of them, dispels them, destroys them, causes them to disappear. This is called the effort to overcome Bahana Padana in the Padi scriptural language. Now, as uh, for the third uh, form of effort, this is uh, to arouse unarisen wholesome states. And so one rouses one's will to arouse certain wholesome states that have not yet certain arisen. And one makes certain effort, steers up one's energy, exerts one's mind, and certain strives. Now, unarisen wholesome states could, be the states of generosity, could be states of virtue, or you know, that suddenly finally one makes uh, makes up one's mind you know, to engage in you know, the development of the mind, namely bhavana in the Pali scripture language, or you know, one you know, makes an effort you know, to radiate loving kindness, to you know, develop uh, compassion towards uh, you know, suffering beings, and so on and so forth. So it's in uh, that certain sense. Now, this form of uh, mm, Samapadana is known as Bhavanapadana. In the Pali scripture language and certain uh, discourse number fourteen from that same Nikaya, uh, then adds certain uh, one more detail, uh, namely bringing and this uh, would be uh, then uh, applicable to later stages in one certain meditation practice bringing about uh, uh, the uh, factors of enlightenment if they have not uh, yet arisen so you know the enlightenment factor of mindfulness, of investigation of states, of effort, and certainly they know joy of tranquility, concentration and certainly equanimity. Now once wholesome states have a reason, or so far, any wholesome states n- have arisen. Then, n- what is certainly n- required q- is required is to maintain n- those certain states, and that is n- the function of the fourth nyasama n- padana in the Pali scripture language, known as anurakana n- padana. So one rouses one's certain will to maintain those wholesome states that have already arisen and not to allow them to disappear, but in addition, even you know, to bring them to growth, to maturity, and to you know, the full perfection of development. And one makes efforts, stirs up one's energy, exerts one's mind, and strives in you know, that certain direction. So those four uh, sama padanas mm, then are tantamount uh, to uh, the uh, noble path factor of right effort sama badana. Now, among a group of or among the groups of uh, teachings that uh, do contain uh, effort, we have the five. Uh, Controlling faculties, the pancha mm, indriyani in the pa, in the Pali scripture language, and out of uh, those, the you know, the second one you know, being effort, the first one is faith, the third one is mindfulness, followed by concentration, and, uh, you know, and lastly, intuitive wisdom, and the Samyutta Nikaya you know, in uh, the 48th Futna Samyutta, namely Discourse Satna number 9, then explains Satna this in very simple ways namely, energy is aroused for the abandoning of unwholesome states and for the acquisition or the gain of wholesome states. And in this regard, one is strong. Tamawa in Pali, which is an expression for, you know, for effort. Firm in exertion, dalha parakamo, you know, yet another expression for effort. And then not shirking one's responsibility of cultivating wholesome states. Anikita you know, durata in the Pali scriptural language, yet another you know, term you know, for you know, effort. Now, in the context of the seven enlightenment factors, we find that those in practice arise more or less one after another in a sequential manner. Once they've all arisen in the stream of consciousness, then mm they will be all present, and certainly the next step is certainly to strengthen them and strengthen them further and certainly to gradually bring you know, all of them into balance now. These enlightenment factors do not suddenly arise in a haphazard manner but suddenly rather one is based on you know, the previous or even several you know, previous enlightenment factors. So one, it all starts by mindfully attending to whatever predominant object arises in one's practice. And with Futna, this then, one starts to discern some of Futna, of an object's Satna features. One, Not just one object, but several objects, and that Satna then, fires one sudden energy, and with that then the enlightenment factor of effort arises. And Satna will be present. And that Satna, in turn, then as the energy increases, will lead Satna to some joy. One realizes, oh, the practice is really working. The joy at first will be somewhat coarse, gradually becomes more refined, and Satna then paves the way for the arising of tranquility. And that Satna tranquility then. Uh, in turn yeah, paves so, now, the way for the arising of concentration. And so, once you know, the mind so, now, is you concentrated, you know, then with equanimity one looks on to you know, formations. With a you know, concentrated and so, you know, balanced mind one looks at certain so, you know, formations. Now, We find a somewhat similar set of factors that nicely describe what is actually happening in our meditation practice. In the context of the so-called ten ten imperfections of insight, dasa vipassana upakilesa, in the Pali scriptural language. In terms of clarification of the term, those are imperfections only, if Futna one makes the mistake to get attached to them or develop craving, pride, and conceit and wrong view to them, now the first one of Futna, those imperfections of insight is which one? Who knows? Illumination, all Pani, scriptural language, followed by. Yeah, and a sharpened, unerring knowledge. This, in turn, is suddenly followed by joy, followed by tranquility, happiness, or contentment, and suddenly then the arising of faith. And what follows then? Then. So you based on all these wonderful experiences. So just imagine yourself sitting there and having various illumination experiences. You see bright lights and flickering lights and whatnot, maybe even different colors. And the mind is so sharp and it discerns some things really clearly. Joy is there. Tranquility is present. Contentment is also there naturally. N- faith will arise. My goodness, the practice is really working. And so, n- so n- with much f- n- sh- n- faith, then n- uh, more energy is available, becomes available, and so so. Then you're really n- n- ready n- to n- uh, n- to do n- the practice even more so. So, a somewhat similar sequence similar to the one as mentioned in the context of the Enlightenment factors. Now, the Bojanga Samyutta, namely the collection of discourses on the Enlightenment factors, speaks of an antithesis. Uh, if you like to, or contrast uh, between mm, mm, uh, the enlightenment factor of effort and the hindrance of fatness, sloth and fatness uh, torpor. And uh, so it is sub- with uh, This enlightenment uh, factor of effort or uh, energy that certainly uh, we can uh, then overcome its direct opposite, which comes in the form of fatness, sloth and torpor. Now, effort is certainly mentioned also in the context of a discourse or group of factors known as the. Pancha Indriani the in the Pani scripture language, sorry. And so those are you know, your five limbs of striving or your five factors of fatna striving. Now the first one of Fatna those is faith and the second one is being free from illness and affliction, meaning that one has a good digestion that is neither too cool nor to too warm, but just right. And the third limb of the striving is given as being honest and certainly sincere, an important certain quality. And then, as certain number four, and this interests us you know, the most, is you know, one is energetic in abandoning unwholesome you know, states and in undertaking Wholesome states. One is steadfast, launching one's effort with firmness and certainly persevering in cultivating wholesome states. Now, the last factor is certainly given being wise and having mm, noble. Even noble n- wisdom with th- n- regard to n- seeing the arising and sudden dissolution of formations. And it is n- said anyone who n- possesses n- these n- five n- factors, and the fifth one is actually a resultant of the previous sudden four, will n- sooner or later n- attain. The state of Arahant Satna-ship. So do notice that Satna effort is Satna one of these Satna five factors. Now, a major emphasis of Satna this talk will be on the development of fatna effort so for situations when effort is not present what do we need to do to bring about certain its certain arising now quite a number of fatna things can be done and allow me to you know, then you know, share with you passages from you know, various certain discourses, various suttas, that speak just about certain this. Now, the first one is certain the so-called chunky sutta from the Majjhima Nikaya, namely its second volume, section one hundred and seventy-three. And it's a lengthy discourse, it describes an encounter between a young Brahmin by the name of Chunky, who happens to be very versed in the Vedic scriptures, and then in Grammar and what not. And so one day the Buddha and his uh, a large uh, retinue of uh, disciples uh, then uh, decides uh, to uh, reside in a nearby grove. And then the villagers. As well as Satna, you know, the Brahmin, you know, Chunky together go and you know, visit this illustrious certain you know, visitor. And then the young you know, Brahmin engages you know, the Buddha in a discussion, and so eventually the discussion uh, is about how to you know, figure out. Whether mm, a spiritual mm, person is certainly mm, indeed mm, a valid certain mm, teacher or mm, not, and the Buddha mm, recommends that mm, mm, the young or that one would mm, or should carefully observe that person that bhikkhus mm, or spiritual mm, teachers behavior, whether in bodily action or in verbal action, displays any kind of conduct that is based in greed. Or whether the conduct is not based in greed. Then the same thing goes for hatred, the same thing goes for delusion. Now comes the important part. Now, and I'll quote certainly the second volume of uh, the Majimanikai, section 173. The Buddha f- n- n- then further advice, uh, advices, you know, this young Brahmin, Chunki uh, uh, When one has investigated such a spiritual person and has seen that he or she is purified from states of greed, hatred, and delusion, then one places faith in him or her. Filled with faith, one visits the person and pays respect to him or her. Having paid respect certain to the spiritual person, one gives ear, one lends an ear. When one gives ear, one hears the correct Dhamma. Having heard the Dhamma, one memorizes and examines the meaning of the teachings one has memorized. When one has, when you know, one examines their you know, meaning, one gains a reflective or just a conceptual acceptance of those teachings. When one has gained a reflective acceptance of those you know, teachings, zeal springs up. And when zeal has sprung up, one applies you know, one's will which is a form of early effort. Having applied one's will, one scrutinizes. Having scrutinized, one strives Badahati in the Pali scriptural language, which is yet another term for uh, exerting effort, resolutely uh, striving, one realizes with the body, and here is meant the mental body, the supreme truth, and suddenly sees it by penetrating it with wisdom. So in other words, one penetrates it with noble insights with noble path, knowledge. So, in this particular passage, effort, exertion, is mentioned in the context of coming into contact with a spiritual person, carefully investigating you know, that certain person and then you know, developing some faith and so on and so forth. Now, this could be with regard to, to a living spiritual teacher, but it could also be with regard to the Buddha as the, as certainly the teacher who certainly who's given profound certain teachings. Now, if one if or if faith has arisen in the Dhamma, then this sudden prepares suddenly the ground for quite a number of opportunities later on. Now, either. In conjunction with what has been you know, described in the Chunky Sutta, or you know, somewhat separately, one you know, might certainly then also you know, develop mm, a sense of. Urgency, and sudden that sudden sense of urgency you know, then might suddenly lead a retreat, and you know, to experience a strong you know, desire, you know, to practice, desire to practice, and suddenly that desire to practice then in turn will lead to the arising of of effort, of course. Now. In an earlier talk, Marcia has spoken about some way, sense of urgency. So, that sense of urgency again may is a fundamental factor, and Sapna may then set in motion a whole sequence of steps that ultimately might lead a person to the realization of the Dhamma. Now, you might certainly remember from the previous satya Dhamma talk, and that satya Effort is satya what? A wholesome mental state, an unwholesome mental state, or a, one of the universals, or... It's one of the occasionals. It's an ethically variable mental state, one of those bhakinakas. So as Sutton explained during during that Sutton earlier talk on that effort, effort, A burglar will need to exert effort, to break into a house and then make off with some valuable property. And a meditator who strives towards Nibbāna will also need effort. But is the effort of the same nature? Obviously not. So we do need to ensure that the effort that certainly is present, or that arises in you know, the context of our endeavor is, a wholesome effort. And one way of uh, uh, assuring you know, this is to be firmly based in sila. Now, there's a short but certainly interesting mm, you know, discourse in you know, the Samyutta in this context, namely you know, volume 5, section 246, it's entitled Strenuous. Because, because, in retreatants. just as whatever strenuous deeds are done, are all done based upon the earth, established on the earth, so too based upon virtue, established upon virtue or moral conduct, a retreatant develops and cultivates the four right strivings. So that is, if you like, a sine qua non. It's an and, and condition yeah, that is uh, that absolutely yeah, needs to be present. Without this condition, it, you know, things will you know, not you know, work. Now, so we have investigated. a spiritual person, someone who teaches Satna Dhamma, and Satna then finds that that Satna person is, uh, um, or his or her conduct is based in non-greed, non-hatred, uh, non-delusion, uh, or at least to some uh, extent. And uh, then uh, out of a uh, sense of urgency, a strong desire to practice is there, this uh, leads on uh, to the arising of uh, effort. Now, so far, uh, so good. And our uh, effort is based in uh, Sila, as uh, mentioned. However, there could be certain circumstances that would lead to an obstruction of the arising of effort. Can you think of one or two such factors? What could then obstruct the arising of your effort, or obstruct the present effort? Mm-hmm. Well, if, you have any idea? Uh, sleeping in high, cozy, luxurious beds. Well, that certainly would be in a way, yeah, sure. And then, what Laziness. And sadhana what uh, the Chetokila Sutta, the discourse on the wildernesses, uh, wildernesses in the heart or of the heart, uh, suggests, mm, is a fourfold uh, form of doubt, namely doubt in the Buddha, doubt in the Dhamma, doubt in the Sangha, and doubt in the training. Now, when a tremendous amount of doubt is there. Your mind is filled with doubting thoughts about everything. Nibin, will it be easy to apply yourself to the practice? Let's say when you have thoughts about leaving, you're just about to pack your things and go. At that point, you're not too interested in exerting effort anymore. So that's going to be the point when you'll back off. Now, not only can doubt be a major obstruction, or a major hindrance, or wilderness in the heart, so to to speak, but as the Chetokila Sutta um, suggests, anger, especially with regard to one's fellow you know, retreatants, fellow you know, spiritual practic- practitioners. This too you know, will you know, then mm, impede your uh, effort and certainly your meditative fitness striving. So, if we have uh, some uh, good uh, effort going, uh, then uh, to just keep a watchful eye uh, on it and to make sure uh, that this effort does not uh, get uh, um, weakened through uh, the arising of doubt and uh, anger. Now, having come this far, we're probably pretty motivated to do the practice, but at times, especially at the beginning of the retreat, we might find that still we are overcome by sloth and torpor. and so, This could be during the last sitting of the day, or it could be the very first sitting of the day, or after a meal, breakfast, or lunch. Now, there's certainly the Chankama Sutta, the discourse on walking meditation, that gives us some good advice, again, in connection uh, with effort. And it says, it speaks of five benefits of walking meditation and striving in other words certain exerting effort is one of those benefits it's the second benefit so the first one is that it's certain said to walking meditation is said to be good N- to prepare n- oneself for, no, for an extended for, no, journey, and the second benefit is for, no, that it is no, good n- t- for striving or no, to build a good stamina no, for the practice of for, no, mindfulness itself. Now. The Venerable Nesad Upanita of of Burma explains this particular point as follows, from a practical point of view. Namely, he says that in walking meditation not only do we need the physical effort to keep the body upright and to keep the body moving, but we also need the mental effort to be mindful of whatever predominant object arises while we're lifting the foot, while the foot is moving forward, and while it's being lowered and placed. So, if on occasion we suffer from intense mm, sloth and torpor, then walking meditation could be used to deal with the situation. If early in the morning mm, you wake up and you feel somewhat Mm -hmm. groggy, your sleep wasn't uh, too too, good, and uh, you have a hard time uh, getting going, uh, In this kind of a situation, it certainly would definitely make a lot of sense to do some walking meditation, and certainly that then will help to get both the physical as well as the mental system going. Now. In the connection of developing, bringing about, and developing effort, there's yet another discourse that we could refer to, and that gives us some insight, some idea of how to proceed, namely this so-called Rattapala Sutta you know, from the Majjhima Nikaya, the Discourse on you know, the Elder Rattapala. Again, a pretty lengthy you know, discourse. It's about an encounter you know, between King Kauravya and sat then this elder Ratapana, and the king knows Satya Ratapani. He used to be a citizen of the town where the king, where the capital of the kingdom was, and the king also knew him as a young man uh, from an. Affluent family, or with an affluent family background, and also knowing him to be a very healthy person. So one day, this Ratapana, elder Ratapana, shows up in the garden of the king. This event suddenly then gets reported to the king. He immediately then decides to go and visit Satna Ratapana, and suddenly then getting to the garden, the royal garden, then meets suddenly with Elder Ratapana, recognizing who this monastic is. He then asks, is obviously very surprised. Don't how come? This uh, uh, young, previously uh, uh, young man from uh, the village. How come that he uh, ended up becoming a monastic? And so he asked him uh, four questions, namely, based on what, uh, based on uh, a four what kind of a, uh, a loss. Have you decided you know, to you become a monastic? And he then mm, specifies this further namely, the loss of uh, um, uh, loss occurring through aging, loss occurring you know, through sickness, loss occurring through. No, or as number three, loss of wealth, and Satna then, number four, loss of relatives. So he asks Satna Elder Ratapana, is it that upon these four kinds of losses that you have become a monastic? And you know, Elder Ratapana answers Satna him that this is not the case. And instead he states that having heard a discourse of uh, the Buddha on the four essences, the so-called Dhamudesa in the Pani scriptural language, that he then decided to first of all ordain, and then uh, uh, he decided to meditate, and ultimately He even realized the Dhamma. Now, the first essence of Fatna, the Dhamma, is known, life in any world is unstable. Now, the explanation here is that all of us, whether we like it or not, our, our life is swept towards aging and death. We're not getting younger. Second by second, we are growing older. So this, sp- um, because Elder Ratapala heard the Buddha uh, speak of this first essence of the Dhamma, that uh, he was suddenly strongly you know, moved, and suddenly then uh, wanted to you know, ordain you know, that he you know, then ordained. And secondly. Because of the second essence of the Dhamma, being alive in any world has no shelter and no protector. Meaning that if we are seriously ill, then neither our parents nor any of our friends or acquaintances can will be able to take a share of that pain and certainly that uh, make us suffer less. We will have to uh, face uh, uh, face face up fully uh, to uh, the pain, to illness, or uh, whatever it might certainly uh, be. So there's no one who can protect us, no uh, uh, no uh, shelter. Now, obviously, apart uh, from uh, the dhamma, now. The third essence of the Dhamma is life in any world has nothing of its own. One has to leave all and pass on according to one's actions. Elder Ratapana explains this certainly to the king in the following ways namely, uh, stating that the king uh, has uh, surely uh, big uh, uh, deposits or big vaults uh, of uh, gold and silver and uh, 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 money and uh, uh, keeping uh, uh, valuable property, uh, properties here and uh, uh, there. But when the time of death comes, uh, then can he take any of this along? He cannot. All that he can take along is just his, uh, um, mm, of the uh, karmic fruits of his actions. So those he can take along to you know, the next existence. Everything else mm, has to be left certain behind, and this has been explained by you know, the commentary as uh, leaving one mm, has to leave behind immobile property. Mobile property or uh, non stationary uh, property, and uh, also one's skills, and certainly uh, the only thing uh, that one can, can take along as the uh, are, our are karmic results. Now, the last essence of the Dhamma is life in any world is incomplete, insatiate, the slave of craving. So we we lack something and we crave Futne for it. Once we have what we've craved for, we might want more of the same or again something new, something different, something fascinating. So in other words, we're slaves of Futne craving. And Elder Ratapala explained to the king is It's knowing this fourth, as well as the other three essences of Fatna, the Dhamma, that he was deeply touched, and Satna then requested the going forth from the Buddha. And he did certainly practice the Buddha, and did certainly give him meditation instructions, and ultimately, based on a very strong motivation, this elder Ratapana became and Arahant. So, reflections on those four essences of the Dhamma, or a reflection on the greatness of the Buddha himself, might be yet another way of arousing energy to practice. Now, what else could we do to develop partner uh, effort? You know, we you could avoid the company of lazy mm, 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 of of a lazy uh, of lazy people. You know, instead, that we could uh, seek you know, the company or associate with an energetic partner uh, person, and uh, then we might uh, also directs our wise attention again and again towards the development of effort. These are, plus inclining the mind towards the development of effort, these are some of the factors that uh, have been recommended by the commentators for the development or for the arising of effort. or arising of the enlightenment factor of effort. Now from a practical point of view a meditator's certain point of view there's a few you know, things with regard to effort that satna really do need to be you know, stated certainly clearly. <coughs> a predominant object sat has arisen in our practice, let's say some bodily formation, a pain, and and then what we need to do is we need to aim the mind at that certain object, aim it towards the center of the object, and this certain (coughs) aiming Needs to be then accompanied by uh, the mental factor of effort, which then will propel the object towards the object. If the aiming is correct and the effort is also well balanced, then we will be hitting the target, so to speak. So hitting the observing and knowing mind will hit the uh, centre of the object of observation. If, however, our effort is in excess, it might, as the Venerable Saad Upanita points out, n- lead to an overshooting of the you know, object. So rather than hitting the object of observation, our pain, the mind will go beyond it, and thus we can't n- n- observe it properly. In the case that our effort is a bit weak, it might uh, happen that the Observing and knowing mind falls short of the object, and so this kind of these two situations try to keep in the back of your mind. Now, from more or less the beginning of the retreat onwards, the continuity of mindfulness has been stressed over and over again. Now, this continuity is not only important for mindfulness, but it's also equally important for effort. So that our effort is present not just for five minutes, and then we take a break, but rather continuously. it needs to be continuously present you know, during a sitting session, f- then it needs to you know, continue during one's following walking meditation, also the transition from sitting to walking, and then you know, it needs to flow into the following sitting, and so on and so forth. Now if that cont- continuity of mind of effort is present then mm, the resultant effort is going to be rather strong effort now to give you a practical example in mm, this certain case namely during the first few days of the retreat, for sleepiness to occur during the last satna sitting of the day, is very common. Now, rather than giving in to the sleepiness and ending up sleeping and sudden snoring, one should nonetheless try to keep up one satna effort even if one does a uh, dose of on occasion. So it certainly may then seem like fruitless effort, but that is not really the case. Because you will still have made certainly, the effort you know, to tackle you know, the sleepiness. Whether successful or not, it doesn't matter. And if one keeps mm. doing this, Evening session after evening uh, session, then overall one's effort is going to be, you know, or is going to become rather strong, and then sooner or later will come an evening you know, where you know, one can sit you know, through you know, the session without you know, dozing off. Now, effort is a you know, mental state. That requires balance. So we need, we do need a balanced form of effort. And so, um, if an extreme form of effort occurs, so either excessive effort or deficient effort, then our practice will not suddenly unfold so, you know, smoothly. Now. Balanced effort will not be present right away at the very beginning of our uh, retreat. We have to work for this. This is something that certainly we have to uh, carefully mm, keep an eye on, and certainly something that will gradually uh, develop over uh, time by way of trial and error. So the way this happens is that at times our effort will be excessive, and we realize we get pretty restless. At other times we you know, realize, you know, that or at other times mm, you know, the effort will be deficient. Mm, we fall asleep. We realize this is not working either. And then the mindset will make the necessary adjustments, and gradually we'll get it right. Now. In terms of an excessive effort, the Buddha has used an illustration for this, namely that of the strings of a lute or any other string instrument for this matter. So if a string or two is tuned, or is too tight, then Number one, the instrument will not produce a very beautiful sound. And number two, it, uh, the chord might easily snap. Same thing might happen in the meditation practice. On the other hand, if uh, mm, the strings of a you know, string instrument uh, are not pro- or it's not properly... N- tuned n- then so it's uh, rather uh, lax or rather uh, slack n- then again the instrument will not give forth a proper uh, uh, proper uh, tones So what is required just the right uh, tuning of both the instrument as well as our effort. Now, maybe as uh, an almost last point for you know, today, there is a close relationship between the amount of effort or the degree of effort that we put into our practice and suddenly you know, the outcome of our practice. So. If we're not really motivated and we exert or we put in only a low degree of effort, then we're likely or the outcome will also be just a minor outcome. If we put in a moderate amount of effort, we're likely to receive a moderate outcome if you know, we you know, apply ourselves wholeheartedly we strive and yet in a balanced you know, manner then uh, maximum uh, benefits can be expected maximum outcome uh, will be there so it all you know, depends on ourselves you know, what we get out of the you know, practice now Seasoned retreatants will know the importance of continuous certain effort, and therefore, from the very beginning of a retreat until the very end, will ensure that this effort is certain continuous. And as a result of this, the outcome of their practice will be equally rewarding. Whereas. A retreatant who is certainly brand new to or very new to the practice and certainly doesn't understand some of the intricate certain points as yet might certainly at first practice in a bit uh, uh, easygoing manner and certainly thus, uh, well, uh, the outcome will be uh, accordingly. Now, to conclude with the Dhammapada verse, namely verse 112, Better than a hundred years in the life of a person who is idle and inactive is a day in the life of one who makes a zealous and strenuous effort. So, by way of a conclusion, a final or concluding wish, may we have many more days of um, uh, zealous and strenuous as well, and I'm adding balanced effort, and may this ultimately lead us to the realization of the Dhamma. And this is it for tonight.